Hello, um, it's good to see you. I just wanted to start because people were commenting on my outfit that uh, it is because we have a college banquet today and the theme was Wes Anderson slash hipster, so I've tried my best. Um, I haven't succeeded in every way, but uh, I did my best. I got all the pastel I could find and put it on. Uh, if you haven't noticed already, this is College Sunday. We had a lot of college students. All the college students came and led um, us in worship, and it was wonderful, and it was beautiful. And we give glory to God for what he is doing in our college group. A lot of you, I've realized, grew up in this church um, from its inception, some of us. And we see that God is in our growth and maturity, and he has led us to this point. Um, some of us, it hasn't been an easy ride, but we know that God has been faithful, and this is our testimony when we come up here on stage that we don't know what's going to happen. In fact, a lot of times we think, I'm not sure that God is in control here. I'm not sure if we have this right, but then we see later on, God was faithful. And God is good. And this is why we can build this altar of worship here in this place. Um, I did want to talk about uh, the great commandment today. This Saturday actually marks the 70th anniversary of Korean independence. And if you didn't notice, that means you haven't gone through our front doors and looked into the fellowship hall where it has in big English letters, God bless to Korea. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I'm the EM pastor. Why didn't they ask me? God bless Korea. It's okay. God bless to America too. But uh, that, that's, I mean, I just, I just look at that and I think of my parents. It's like my parents would do the same thing. And I love them for it. Uh, but indeed, we see that God has been... Uh, just evident in Korea and its growth. And God has been gracious to the Korean nation. And 99% of us here are because of his graciousness to Korea. Perhaps 100% because we know Koreans. That's why we're here. Um, I was thinking about something else. Even though this Saturday marks the 70th anniversary of Korea's independence... It also marks the 70th anniversary of the Hiroshima bombing and Nagasaki bombing. And, you know, if you're like me, you're a little conflicted. I'm happy, but I'm also sad. How do I make sense of all this? How do I make sense of all the things that are going around in this world today? Do I just become, is it black and white? They deserved it, or we suffered enough. Or do we think of all these things, and we don't know the answer, so we just internally put it aside. It's too hard to think about. My brain hurts. And then we just sweep it under the rug. But I'd like to take some of that stuff out today. And let's look at it for what it is. Um, the GOP had its debate through Fox News, and 
Everybody was having a good time watching it. People have said it was one of the most entertaining debates in a while the GOP had. Um, how do we make sense of that? There are churches burned in South Carolina. Media coverage isn't that big, but the little that we know of, we know that there's at least six or seven. And it was an attack. It wasn't a mistake. How do we make sense of that? How do we respond to that? But instead of talking about each and all these things, I'd just like to take one thing and talk about that. Perhaps it's the most important thing. There was this lion, and uh, he had a name. His name was Cecil, or Cecil, but I'll call him Cecil. And uh, Oxford University had a GPS tag on him. And this dentist, for sport, shot him with a bow and arrow. Um, and there was international outrage, like outrage. In just a matter of two days, it had over 200,000 signatures in the White House petition website to extradite him so that he can be uh, disciplined and jailed or he could go to court there in Zimbabwe. And uh, we have celebrities. I don't want to name names, but we have celebrities that came out and spoke on Cecil's behalf. Uh, if that is possible, but we also had uh, a talk show host, very famous talk show host that came out and cried, showing a picture of, I think, Cecil, and just wept. Um, and so I was, uh, it was very interesting, very interesting. How do we make sense of this? And then I read this one article by Goodwill Nzu. I think that's how you say it. I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. But if, if I, I went to Africa once and I kind of picked up on their accent, so it would be something like Nzu, or something like that, right? So it was Goodwill Nzu. And in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe, he would say, we don't cry for lions. And he wrote an op-ed for the New York Times. Um, and he was trying to explain that in Zimbabwe, it's very, it's very foreign to them that there would be such outrage over a lion because lions kill people. And, you know, Zimbabweans are happy if, a lion, one li if there's one less lion. Um, but actually, Cecil was like 13 years old, right? And a normal lion in the wild lives 10 to 12 years. So there's all this talk. But after Goodwill Nzu wrote this uh, article, I looked at the comments, because I love the comments. In the comment section, someone wrote, um, they totally disagree. Um, we don't care what you think. In fact, it was one of the highest uh, comments that were, you know, if you like it, goes up on the, on the viewable comment section and saying, the whole point is that you slaughtered an animal in order to nail his head to the wall. That's a totally different thing. And Mr. Nzu, if you are so adamant about protecting your village from lions, why don't you go home, buy a big gun, and go hunting? Uh, the second highest comment was Africans were just Stone Age people, just another part of the ecosystem. Um, and now, because of modern technology, African populations have grown. If you don't like lions, go to the city and get a job and leave the ecosystem the way it is. Um, 
And I see all these very heated comments. But how do we respond as Christians? How do you see Cecil the lion and the hunting of it? Do you even care? And uh, I was talking to a few of our young people, and uh, some of us are confused. Some of us are like, I'm not sure exactly what to think. I don't think both sides are necessarily entirely correct. Um, some of us, we respond, they responded by saying, I don't care. Why is this big news? Um, and I think what Goodwill and Zoo was trying to say is that, look, like people are dying in Zimbabwe. How come there isn't international outrage of people dying of hunger and you have international outrage over this lion? And then people always, very heated, they always come up from the other side and say, well, we gave 12 billion dollars to the African countries and nations and so we do care so you can't even say that like something like shut your mouth like how dare you and so there's always this back and forth but you see when you try to argue you will always find something isn't that the case think really hard look at an internet comment and think to yourself I want to argue this point most of us are educated enough to say, I got them. This is the argument. Not necessarily we believe it, but we can argue it. Jesus is walking along, and they just want to get him. Whatever he says, I want to get this guy. This guy, I don't like him. I don't like him for whatever reason. He rubs me the wrong way. The things he says that he does, I just don't like him. So you know what? I'm going to test him. They get a lawyer. And this lawyer is an expert. And they get this lawyer to ask him, what is the great commandment of God? And Jesus responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But he doesn't stop there. He said, that's the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he doesn't stop there. And he goes, on this hinges all the law and the prophets. That means all the law and the prophets that you know of is talking about these two laws. And then afterwards, there's nothing. He silenced them. That's unheard of. If you want to nitpick at something, like I said before, people always find something. But when Jesus spoke, the crowds were hushed, and they couldn't respond. How do we respond to certain things, and how do we respond to certain events that happen? I would say we turn to God. God has the absolute answer for us, not just 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago in Mount Sinai. God has the absolute answer for us today which means we must seek God. Just an example of what the commandments did. Why is it so different? People know these are very famous Ten Commandments. God gave his people, the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments. What are the Ten Commandments? And then you go down the line. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not have an idol. You shall not misuse my name in vain. You shall keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not 
bear false witness and do not covet. And you have these 10 laws that people have memorized that we have put in our court, courts, in front of the courts today. We know it's so important and the people have studied it. What does it mean? What does it mean? And then you start thinking, that wasn't that special. It wasn't that special. Didn't every land have its own set of laws too? What made this so special? God's laws are no different from human laws. We also have laws that say do not murder. We don't need God to tell us not to murder. Isn't it kind of obvious? Isn't it obvious? But it was a little different. And instead of going through all the ten, I'm just going to go to one. I'm going to go to what people think is the least, but it is not. So some people think it's from the greatest to the least. It is untrue. They are all important. But I will take the tenth which is do not covet. How can you not covet? That is an impossible law to keep. Every commercial that you see, every billboard that you drive by, everything that you see on your neighbor, you have been programmed to covet. Oh, Pastor Eugene, where'd you get that killing outfit? I would like to buy it for myself. And I would say, Marshalls is your friend. And then people will go to Marshalls. Or I will go Macy's or something like that, right? Or some high-end uh, designer store. I'm sorry, I don't know. Um, but people are designed to covet. That's how we sell things, right? Aren't you? If anybody's in the business to sell something, you have to convince people you need this. You need this super-duper vacuum cleaner because without the vacuum cleaner, your house is in shambles. And not only that, you need the upright one that's huge, that has a canister on the vacuum, but you also need one with a tube that sticks out so you can get under the tables. You need both. Not only that, sometimes you want to vacuum the curtains, so you need this little small handheld one and get the curtains down, you need a little duster to go with it, and then we sell you $5,000 worth of vacuum things and then it's in your closet and just collects dust instead of collecting dust get it anyway <laughs> but it's amazing we have been programmed this world teaches us if you want to survive you have to covet look at your neighbor if that person has a nice bmw you better get a higher quality bmw if i see my neighbor right next door he pulls up in a very nice three series I'm going to think instantaneously in my head. I don't know. Maybe you guys are more holy. But I'm going to think, I wonder how much more I have to spend for a five series. And can I afford it? That's what immediately would come to my head. Perhaps not you. But if someone has a nice iPhone 5 and I have an iPhone 6, I will say, I am better than you. And then that person will get the iPhone 6S or something like that. But what's the big deal? You can say, what's the big deal about coveting? Why is it part of the Ten Commandments? Is it a mistake? Is it a mistake? Well, let's break it down. If we start coveting, then we dwell upon the envy we have on our neighbor's new car, new clothes, new things, new spouse, or whatever it is. And we start dwelling on it. And we start thinking, I deserve that too. Or I want that too. 
I work hard. I work hard. What makes you think you deserve that bonus you got at work? I work hard. I deserve that bonus too. And then envy hits us. The covetousness hits us. If you want to know what covetous actually really means, it means an intense and deep desire, a lust for something. So you start lusting after it. And after you start lusting after something, you begin, you begin to hate someone because they have it. And that lust turns into hatred, resentment for your neighbor. In fact, Jesus goes and he pushes up all this upward and says, if you even lust after a woman, you have already committed adultery. He's not saying anything new. He's not adding to the law. He's explaining what the law really means. You think you don't commit adultery just because you didn't actually sleep with someone's wife. But if you lust, if you have this covetousness in your heart, that's going to birth into this intense evil. And it's going to capture you, capture your thoughts, your heart. And you're going to start resenting your neighbor. You're going to start hating them. You're like, he doesn't deserve this. Who does he think he is? I can't believe she did this. Who does she think she is? And when we start resenting our neighbor, do we not turn that resentment over to God and say, God, I pray to you. I come out on Sundays. Why can't I have these things? Why do I have to suffer? I'm serving you, aren't I? I come out every Sunday. I dress the best way I can. People still make fun of me. I get up on stage and be like, your clothes don't match, Pastor Eugene, please. Do something about your fashion, get married, hurry, and something like that. But I can think the same way. God, I'm serving you. How can you do this to me? And then my resentment not only turns to my neighbor, but it turns to my neighbor and it turns to God. God, don't you love me enough to give me what I want? If you've ever felt that way, that was a result of covetousness here's what we should see if you break one of these laws you break all the laws so Jesus says this in response what is the great commandment what is the greatest commandment but it's interesting because Jesus adds another word he says not just this is the great commandment or this is the greatest commandment he goes this is the first and greatest commandment love God this is the first and greatest commandment for us as people love God if we do not love God then everything else will fail we will sin chaos will ensue our moral compass will be out of, out of whack we don't even know what to get angry about we don't know what we're crying about we don't know what's right what's wrong and we don't know what we're fighting about but we want to fight we want to argue. We want to be like, you have this view? Well, I just don't like you, so I'm going to argue against that view. And chaos ensues, and the blessings cease. Tim Keller says it really well. In his own words, he says, Jesus shows us that love actually defines the lawful life, and he shows us that the law actually defines the loving life. 
Jesus shows us that love actually defines the lawful life, and he shows us that the law actually defines the loving life. When Jesus says all the laws boil down to love God and neighbor, he is saying that we have not fulfilled the law by simply avoiding what the law prohibits, but we must also do and be what the law is really after, namely love. So this law is about love, and Jesus got it. The teachers of the law, the lawyers, they knew it. But here's the question. How do we love God? How do we stop failing? I can't help it. That shirt looks so good on Ho Young. I want that shirt. In fact, I actually said that once. I was like, man, Ho Young, that shirt looks really good. And then Ho Young just gave me the shirt. So I was like, oh man, that's terrible. I gotta stop saying I like shirts. I might have too many shirts from Ho Young. So now I'm like, Kenny, I really like that shirt. <laughs> How do we stop from failing? How do we stop and start to love? And I think it's important that we see there's an order that God is teaching us. This is true in the Old Testament. This is true in the New Testament because God is one. He doesn't contradict himself. He's always been constant. Something comes first. Salvation comes first. Then the law, then love comes. The law to love comes. And finally, the blessing. You see, the world has it backwards. The world says, you need to follow a certain set of laws. You need to not murder, and then you'll be blessed. And then that, through that blessing, you will have a sa saved life. You will have salvation. But God says, no. Salvation first. And then you can obey the law. Then you can love. And then blessings come. Salvation, the law to love, and then blessing. Even, yes, in the Old Testament. Every single time, the, well, that's just twice. Every time the, the Ten Commandments came out, Exodus, Deuteronomy, chapter 5, Exodus 20. Before the Ten Commandments were given, there was an utterance of God. God said something. You know what he said? He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Israelites, the Jewish people, they didn't do anything to deserve that. Nothing. But before God gives them the law, he reminds them, I saved you first. And here's the law. If you want to start to realize, or if you're starting to think, like, how do I love God? How do I love God? Then number one, the first thing that you have to realize is you cannot work your way to salvation. You cannot work your way to the blessings. God saved us first. Secondly, because God loves us first, what happens now is that we respond to that love. We respond to God's love. Remember what he has done for you. 
Remember when you were in the muck and the mire and the dirt and your life was in darkness, God went through all that and came to you and said, I am your God. I have come to save you out of the house of slavery. And he pulled you out. And he said, I have come to save you, not because of what you've done, because I am your God. And he claims us. And when we realize this, number two, our response is love. Our response is obedience to the law. It's not because we have to anymore. It's because we want to. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for me. I did not deserve to be saved. I deserved to be left alone in the darkness because all I could do was navel gaze and look at myself and be angry. Angry that I don't live in a good neighborhood. Angry that I don't have the house that I really think I deserve. Angry because my car always breaks down and I deserve a really nice car that's a different color than white. I deserve more than that, God. And I was angry in myself, but God takes me out of that and he saves me. And I see it. I have been saved. I didn't deserve it. And now my response is love. My response is obedience. I love you so much, God. I want to know you. I want to be like you. I want to spend time with you. Now that I have seen you. A lot of people think that once we go to heaven... Uh, heaven might be boring <laughs> because aren't we all we're gonna do uh, all, all we're gonna do pastor Eugene is we're just gonna sing praises right like how's that fun like I like playing baseball can, can we is there baseball in heaven and I've, I've honestly had some questions of that nature and I, and I would say yes you could play baseball why wouldn't you play baseball I bet there's like baseballs that look like little clouds or something and then you can <laughs> Run over it. I don't know. You can slide and it won't like, you get cloud marks instead of dirt marks. I don't know. Something like, whatever it is, I'm sure there is. But we're so afraid. Like, oh, but what about the things that I want to do? And if you think about it, even here on this earth, when we see something glorious or majestic, or even less than that, we see something pretty good. We rave about it, do we not? We rave about it on the internet. We like it. We hope that it has a thousand million likes because it's so good. This burger is amazing. Let me put it on my Instagram, get a nice filter on. I hope it gets 50 million likes because this burger deserves 50 million likes for its juiciness and its perfection. And we rave about this burger. We rave about the things on this earth. When someone has a nice play in sports, in some kind of um, athletic activity, we rave about that person. We can't stop talking about that person. Did you see what he did? Did you see what she did at this game? Clutch, oh my goodness, two seconds left. Won the game for her team. And you just can't stop talking about it. And what if we went to a place and we saw someone or something, some being that was so much more majestic, so much more greater than anything we've ever seen? Wouldn't we rave about it? Wouldn't we talk about it constantly? How amazing is this God who took me out of what I didn't deserve to be taken out of, but he took me out of it. He's so good. He's so amazing. He's the 
the good God? Wouldn't we rave about it? Then why are you so afraid about seeing who God is? Why are you so satisfied with navel-gazing? Why are you so happy being stuck in the mud and dirt? When God has a purpose for you, he wants to take you out of you just eating mud pies. He wants to take you out of that mud and put you in clothes of splendor, seat you in a seat of righteousness, give you a feast and banquet that is beyond your wildest imagination. That's what he wants to give you. And if you realize it, your response will be praise. It will be love. It will be obedience. That was number two. My final point is this. Lastly, he didn't end it there. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor. This is from Leviticus 19, 18. Love your neighbor. How do we respond we start loving our neighbors, but it's so hard. I don't want to go to Bergen Regional. It's so difficult, God. I just want to relax. Sunday was rough. Pastor Eugene spoke for at least 25 minutes. My brain is fried. Sunday was rough. I just want to stay home. But Jesus says the commandment, second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. I wanted to give you one more interesting point. This is the third point, continue on the third point. Jesus says in the book of John, I give you a new commandment, and that is love your neighbor, which you think is the same thing, but it's not. He adds something, as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? He loved us until it hurt him. He loved us until he painfully died on that cross. He took the whip, he took the lashes, he took the torture, the beating, the disgrace, the shame, the nakedness, and he took it for us. And he says, this is the new commandment I give you. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. This is love. People are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, uh, our goal, Pastor, isn't it, isn't it just a love? It's just a love. Let's be friends, you know? That's not love, you guys. This is love. This is sacrifice. This is agape. This is God's love for us. Why is this so important? Because if you continue to think about it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. What has God done by giving us this new commandment? Don't you see? God has extended that neighbor to include us. He has said, I want you to be my neighbor. I want you to be close to me. I want you to be with me. And if you continue on seeing Jesus' teaching, it's always about loving your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And he shows us that God goes even beyond what he has to or should do or ought to. He didn't have to do anything, but he goes beyond and he, he reaches out and he takes us and says, I want you to be my neighbor. And he effectively calls us his sons and his daughters. In Romans it says, for while we were enemies... 
while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, that shall we be saved by his life. How do you love God? You follow Jesus. We study Jesus. We imitate Jesus. We love Jesus. He is the perfection of the law, and he shows it by walking it, living it, dying, and being risen again to life. If you have never heard this before, this is the gospel. This is what God has done for us. We did not deserve it. We deserve to be left there in the mud. But God, by his incredible grace and mercy, goes out into the mud where we were and saves us. This is the love of God. Let us respond by loving him back and by loving our neighbor. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Without whom we would have no understanding of anything. We realize we would just be arguing with one another, trying to prove ourselves right, trying to show the world our moral compass is on point and theirs is wrong. But Lord God, you have shown us we are all wrong. We can't see, but you are the one that makes the lame walk. You are the one that makes the blind see. And so Lord God, if there is anyone here that has not received you yet, won't you tug on their hearts and may they respond to your call, your invitation to be the neighbor of God, a child of God. I ask God that you would continue to be with all of us as we follow, imitate, mimic your son. We cannot do it on our own strength, but we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. So be with your people and bless us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus at the center of
And every knee will bend. 
give the charge and close us in a prayer uh, I just want to let you know that the church has made a video for uh, the Korean independence it's less than 10 minutes we ended a little early so that perhaps you can stay please do stay and watch it it's in Korean but there are subtitles that they went through the trouble for us to watch so please do stay uh, and watch watch it with us uh, let's pray Lord God, we want to thank you one more time out of a grateful heart. We give you songs of praise and worship. We give you our hearts and our lives. Thank you for coming to find us first. Thank you for giving us new life. Now I charge you, Pilgrim EM, to go out just as Jesus loved us, love your neighbor by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated.